Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. We are going to start by talking about Max Verstappen. Three Grand Prix, three silly statements. In my view, all of them unnecessary. Come on, Kunal, you're being very diplomatic. Just like Max Verstappen, just say it aloud. Okay, bratish. That's the word that I'm looking for when it comes to Max Verstappen's recent statements in the press. So in Japan, he actually said, I love red meat and I love to burn fuel. And this was in response to Hamilton's plea to go vegan. In Mexico, we all know of the controversy that was around the safety of his actions, you know, when he didn't lift off under the yellow flags and qualifying. And in the USA, it was about Ferrari and how he believes they're cheating. Kunal, before we pull up Max Verstappen, do you think Ferrari are cheating? You know, that's the thing. When Ferrari innovate or when they are unexpectedly quicker, let me put it that way, everyone's just out to believe that they are cheating because this has happened (laughs) several times over now, especially in the hybrid turbo era. First, it was about the twin batteries. Then it was about, uh, about oil burn. And now it's about some intercooler and some electrical impulses that are causing the sensors to behave differently. Can't we just for once believe that Ferrari have sort of taken a step forward before Mercedes did. Vinal, I'm just going to ask you, like Max Verstappen, to be very clear and candid, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say that Ferrari are not cheating. At best, I think they're exploiting a loophole in the regulation. But that's what Formula One is all about. Don't we hear all the time that millions are paid to the engineers just so that they can find and exploit a loophole in the regulations? And that's what they're doing. Well, so there you go. I think the Max Verstappen way of talking, Kunal, that helps save a lot of time and money, don't you think? Well, it may save some time and a lot of money or energy in this case, but I definitely don't think it could save Red Bull racing some money because, you know, there's this whole talk of a lawsuit. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, you never know. It's just a distraction uh, as we close the season. And then, of course, could it cost Max Verstappen a drive in Ferrari in the future? That is a very interesting point. And on that note, guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast, as always, we have just so much to discuss. But first things first, guys, this is our 300th podcast episode. Yes, 300th episode. I really can't come to terms with the figure, you know. Wow, guys, nine seasons. That's how long the Inside Line Formula One podcast has been around and making you guys laugh for. And we've got millions of listeners all around the world. Incredible to have just so many of y'all sharing our passion, sharing our journey, cheering us on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Anyway, so in this week's episode, we're going to debate Max Verstappen's no-filter approach. You know, that just sounds so anti-millennial, no-filter. Because <laughs> millennials are always using filters. Or I, I should say you millennials are always... Hashtag no-filter. That's a thing, actually. 
Well, we are also going to talk about uh, Jacques Villeneuve in this episode because we are wondering what has Williams done that Villeneuve is so pissed off with them all the time. And we wonder why the hell is Haas chasing Kubica for a drive in 2020? And why a soci- socialist approach is the best approach for Formula 1. All of this and more in a little over 20 minutes. So guys, stay tuned and have fun. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, Spotify and every other audio streaming platform for your weekly dose of Formula 1 humor. And for our episode starting 301, which is going to be Ooh. next week. So, Kunal, back to Max Verstappen. Uh, you were saying that his bratty comments against Ferrari could cost him a future at Ferrari. Well, in my view, I doubt he has one. I don't think he has a future at Ferrari for the next, what, five, six, seven years at least, if not more. Yes, you know, we've said this before and I'm going to repeat it again that Ferrari have invested very early in Charles Leclerc and they will hold on to his stock, you know, for the time to come. But, you know, since we're on Max Verstappen, I kind of like this whole honest and kind of bratty way I agree. It's like his moves on track. You know, you never know what to expect, but it'll always be entertaining. And I think, you know, he will really benefit from being diplomatic. And when I say he, I mean Max Verstappen. Because look at Fernando Alonso. He's a great example of how talent doesn't always win against large corporations and teams. Because... uh, It seems like, you know, the only manufacturer currently willing to work with Fernando Alonso is Toyota, in an official capacity, that is. And, uh, you know, we already know, or rather not a lot of you may know, that Honda refused to power Fernando Alonso in the Indy 500. And that's why he's been going with Chevrolet engines. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to say, that the, the kind of reach that these large manufacturers and teams have, I don't, you know, I don't think Max is being wise Uh, Because he's young and he's sort of locking himself out, not just in the world of Formula One, but in the whole big world of motorsport. That is a great point, Kunal. And in fact, let's remember that he's got no car manufacturer actually backing him, so to speak. Because Red Bull Racing, they're an energy drinks company. I mean, no doubt they're very powerful in Formula One, like we've said before. Uh, But will it actually be with Red Bull Racing that Max Verstappen will win his world championship? You know, Christopher wrote to us via our Facebook page on one of our posts asking that, you know, Fernando Alonso made anti-Ferrari statements while racing at Renault, but Ferrari still chose to hire him. And this was, of course, in response to, you know, is Max really, uh, you know, shutting himself out of a drive at Ferrari? But here's my answer, you know, for Christopher's point. Fernando Alonso back in time, and I think this was in 2010, he was the big draw of the Formula 1 grid. Now, the question is, is Max Verstappen the only big draw of the grid for the next four to five years? And I definitely think not. Because not just Charles Leclerc, we've got Esteban Ocon and George Russell coming up the ranks. And, you know, the bottom line is that Verstappen's going to get nowhere by making, you know, Ferrari are cheating kind of statements. Because it's not like the FIA, who, of course, have heard his statement, you know, are going to pull up and open an investigation against Ferrari just because of Max's statements. And Kunal, while I agree with all of that, I still think that Verstappen should maintain his hashtag no filter approach. It's literally a breath of fresh air, given that all these other drivers, they stick so tightly to their team's PR messaging. 
Yeah, I mean that's a point as well. Yes. So yes, Max Verstappen's talent is going to take him places, even if it ain't Ferrari. We'll see about that. Yes, we will see, and you know we can agree to disagree. The classic corporate jargon that we've all used somewhere or the other in a boardroom <laughs> somewhere. But I believe the next big driver market move will be triggered by Sebastian Vettel. It will depend on whether. he and ferrari will renew after 2020 at this moment we don't know it's anybody's guess and very interesting shocks will know believes that hamilton is thinking of moving to ferrari and that come 2021 lewis hamilton will be racing the red cars i can't believe it uh and the man with the crystal ball when it comes to you know this kind of news eddie jordan well he thinks hamilton could be tempted to go to ferrari too You know honestly anything is possible if you ask me or if you ask anyone for that matter because Lewis Hamilton is rewriting the rules of the game and the history books and he could actually be the only driver in this era to win titles with Mercedes and Ferrari and that is something even Schumacher couldn't achieve so maybe that could just drive Hamilton into making a move to Ferrari who knows And this is also where I will quote Eddie Jordan. He said that Hamilton's teammates never had a wingman clause in their contract, and he sort of used this to make a comparison between why Hamilton is better than Michael Schumacher. And a Hamilton-Leclerc partnership at Ferrari, Kunal, that's going to be something. I mean, we know how Ferrari struggles when they have to treat their two. drivers equally so i'd be watching out for that you know for now let's just revel in lewis hamilton's historic achievements but let's also remember that toto wolff said that mercedes can cope without hamilton and that's actually the absolute truth right because teams always outlast drivers and wolff also said that mercedes never contacted fernando alonso max verstappen or sebastian vettel for a race seat but this could all change if hamilton does choose to leave the team because eddie jordan said that he sees vettel and a verstappen pairing at mercedes if hamilton were to leave for ferrari okay now that is way too much speculation even for me but since we're speculating kunal i would rather speculate what robert kubica is going to be doing in 2021 Uh, the reason I'm saying 2021 is because it seems like Kubica may be back to racing in a Formula One car come 2021. Incredible! Yeah, I can't believe it. It's like a comeback after a comeback after a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm told that Haas is trying to sweeten their deal for Kubica to join the team in 2020, uh, and this could be for a possible seat in 2021. You know, finally, Romain Grosjean will really have to perform to keep his place. I mean there's only so much he can keep blaming bad luck for right but it is very heartwarming to think that Robert Kubica's Formula 1 comeback might actually not be red flagged completely at the end of 2019 but I can also you know imagine that George Russell who's outqualified Kubica in every single race this season he doesn't have as much negotiating power as Robert Kubica does so I wonder why That is actually <laughs> well. Come to think of it, Haas chose Grosjean over Hulkenberg uh, this season for next season, and now they're thinking about Kubica in a racing seat. Uh, Kunal, I really hope it's not just another bad driver decision. Loosely speaking, Haas is thinking of Kubica over Nico Hulkenberg and Nico Hulkenberg to DTM. That's that's something that came up last week, and you know, Nico was very quick to label it as fake news. Well, he's lost the Alfa Romeo drive now to Giovinazzi, as we all know by now. 
I think Nico Hulkenberg's biggest achievement in Formula One has to be that he was a part of a fake news story, however brief it may have been. <laughs> yeah, you know you're in fake news when you've arrived and all of that. Uh, I hope Alfa Romeo is thinking of life after Kimi Raikkonen, uh, upsetting as that is. Uh, because guys, of his course. contract is up for renewal at the end of 2020 also. Uh, and in classic Kimi Raikkonen words, he said that it doesn't matter if he finishes 11th or last. You know, you give George Russell an 11th place finish, he will take it with both hands. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> of course, two drivers in two different uh, eras of their career. But there's some more of Jacques Villeneuve and Eddie Irvine comments to talk about. So the next few minutes are going to be absolutely fun. Jacques Villeneuve said that Formula One's new financial regulations are like socialism and that socialism isn't right for Formula One. Oh my God, that just sounds uh, so interesting because Formula One always prides itself on being such a capitalistic sport. Right. And you know, my, my, my mind actually goes off to wonder which top sports series in the world don't operate on this socialistic you know, on these socialistic terms, because when you think of the NBA or the Indian Premier League or the Pro Kabaddi League, all of them exist on socialist terms. So I'm I'm actually glad that Formula One is also trying to make this step away from capitalism to socialism. Yeah, and I think it also makes sense that Formula One is helping teams build sustainable businesses. It no longer, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense if it's not financially viable in the long term for all teams involved. Yeah, and you know, it was last season when we said that now is the best time to invest in the business of a Formula One team. And it still might be so. And Mithila, this is the time we should actually reach out to all our listeners and check if they have holdings in an F1 team and <laughs> send them a commissioning invoice. Or pull together a lot of money and go buy a team. Guys, what do you say <laughs> in sideline racing? Yeah, and you know, uh, final word on the financial regulations. I just think that they will make the whole ecosystem of Formula One more stable and hence more attractive for investment. Yeah, Jacques Villeneuve said that even with the budget cap in place, Williams will find ways to spend less money. <laughs> but that's how every business thinks, right? Uh, because everyone wants to spend less and earn more, or in this case, you know, spend less but still go faster. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of an attitude and approach. But maybe he knows something more about Williams than we do because clearly there's a lot of history there. Yeah, it's so strange because I can't figure out why Villeneuve is just so critical of Williams. Well, they're the team he won his only title with. And Kunal still, he is the only team that he lashes out so hard against. You know, I think it's too late to ask Jacques Villeneuve if he was paid in full by Williams for his <laughs> title-winning drive. Oh, well. Maybe this is a way of expressing tough love for Williams. Anyway, guys, closing notes on this episode. Yes, and when we say closing notes, we usually mean three to four minutes before we say a goodbye. Because it's like we have timing regulations on our show. We <laughs> We're try very and, strict. Yeah, we try and wrap up between 20, 22 minutes on a good day or a bad day, 25 minutes or so on. Just to keep you guys... <laughs> engaged and entertained at the but same just time. just long enough. Anyway, now that Michael Schumacher's seven titles and 91 wins are Lewis Hamilton's target, Kunal, I think it's a good time to bring up what Eddie Irvine said recently. And that is, uh, Michael Schumacher could have won more titles and more races had he not wanted to only win with Ferrari. You know, well, had it not been for Ferrari, Eddie 
Eddie Jordan or Eddie Irvine wouldn't have <laughs> come close to even achieving his best place, uh, best career finish of second place in the drivers' championship. In fact, he had the chance to win at least one title with Ferrari, but he failed to do so in 1999. So it's probably good for him to look in the mirror and probably then talk about himself and Michael Schumacher and Ferrari, I guess. Yeah, and once again, beat this. So he also said that Sebastian Vettel is not a worthy four times Formula One world champion. Can you believe it? Yeah, I'm actually trying to now hear someone who says why Sebastian Vettel is still a worthy four times Formula One world champion because he is the easiest target in probably all the 20 drivers out there to bring down and yes he's not had the best last 15 odd months or whatever you call it you know lots of question marks over his uh, history and career and the chapter in formula one especially after what all he did during his red bull days but i'm not the one who's you know sort of going to just write off fettel just yet I am really wondering, Kunal, how this Sebastian Vettel chapter in Formula 1's record books, how it's going to end because it's a very compelling story as things stand. And I'm also wondering if and when and how soon is a Renault chapter going to end or pause or I don't know what they're going to do <laughs> because they've been in, in and out of Formula 1 just so many times. I think they've probably lost a count as well, you know. Like when they go asking for more money from the board, they're like, oh, we're not in Formula 1 because I Again? thought, you know, <laughs> You know, I thought we were spending money somewhere. But, uh, you know, in the last many days, there's been talk that Renault's campaign could end either in 2020 or even in 2019. And if that's true, Abu Dhabi could be the last Renault race for the moment. Wow. I don't know how people are so sure that, well, tomorrow is in Renault's last day of operations for that <laughs> matter. And Abu Dhabi could be Ricardo's last race in Formula 1 too, if that happens. Ouch, that sounds terrible. Uh, but Kunal, the French government owns 15% in Renault. And, you know, whenever there are talks of cost cutting, we know what comes up on that list. Yeah, I mean, this is one list where Renault is supposedly number two on the list of expenses that are under the scanner, the Renault F1 team operations, of course. Yeah, even here, Renault couldn't quite manage pole position. <laughs> but I guess that's a good thing. Well, I, I would guess so as well. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, Daniel Ricciardo could go from winning races. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Ricciardo could go from winning races and scoring podiums to being out of Formula 1 if Renault does go. Well, Helmut Marco said that Daniel Ricciardo has no place at Red Bull Racing and... Importantly, that there's no room for him elsewhere on the grid, which is absolutely true That's as well. That's terrible. And I really wonder how Esteban Ocon would, you know, now be thinking about the whole Renault project. Yes, they're bringing him back to Formula One. But is it like a one-season wonder? And there's just so, there's so much low confidence around the whole Renault project. And I really wish this wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, it would really be terrible to be Daniel Ricciardo right now. But Kunal, in all of this, Ricciardo's gone and said that Renault's made him a better driver. You know, with a $52 million salary over two years, Renault do have a very good spokesperson in Daniel Ricciardo. If you would have noticed, there's only positive stories that have come out of him Ever since they started paying him his first buck, I would say. <laughs> it's incredible. Can you imagine if Verstappen raced for Renault? And you know the kind of honest stories that would come out about the team, about what he was really feeling? <laughs> he would have just been like, yeah, we're slow. We don't have a good car. No, We, we suck. We... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more millennial-like. I'm a millennial. You're not. For a reason. <laughs> yeah. So, talking of manufacturers, Nick Heidfeld, if you guys remember him, 
actually said that Mercedes's domination will end in 2020. And I, I think personally, Nick is just looking out for some headlines out there. Well, he got sp- featured and he got spoken about on the Inside Line F1 Mission podcast. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Racing Point will have a new factory. And it's been approved by, well, whoever had to approve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's actually an interesting story. And I don't know if you heard it from me as well. But the fact- factory expansion plans were put in place, uh, uh, you know, when Vijay Malia was the owner. And I was aware of those plans and what they were back then. So I'm glad that the team has finally found the money to go pursue this expansion. Yeah, I'm sure given the financial regulations that are falling in place in 2021, uh, Racing Point is eager to get all their expenses out of the way in 2020, which is very <laughs> clever. But of course, I'm sure a factory expansion doesn't fall under the cost cap. That would make no sense. And I'm sure even Lance Stroll's crashes and the repair bills don't fall under the cost cap. But <laughs> Special line item by themselves. <laughs> Christian Honor said that 2020 could be the most expensive era in the history of Formula 1. And I absolutely agree with that. So teams are going to be spending on a dual racing program for 2020 because, you know, you still got to get the points because that's what's going to pay a lot of your bills in 2021. And simultaneously for 2021, because, hey, you still got to be quick in 2021, right? So I'm pretty sure that the top three teams will overspend next season just to keep their place at the front, uh, you know, in the new era. Yeah, this is one of the big reasons why the announcement of the rules uh, was delayed and only happened in October because the idea was that the top teams should have lesser time to outspend their rivals. Yeah, you can outspend them, <laughs> but we'll just give you lesser time. Do it a little slowly, guys. But Kunal, can you imagine that over the next 20 odd months, you're going to have billions and billions of dollars being spent to build what, 40 racing cars? What does it cost to eradicate world hunger again? (laughs) A fraction of that, I guess. Oh, well, let's not get there. Because, you know, let's keep politics and world issues out of this. Because we are a fun Formula One podcast, remember? Anyway, Kunal, that's my way of reminding us that we have timing regulations in place and we have to end this episode in 22 odd minutes. Yes, final point. Chase Carey said that his target for the new rules is to have at least seven teams capable of challenging for the wins. I absolutely agree, you know. That is what every fan and every midfield team will literally be dreaming of. Yeah, but I don't know why he couldn't say, I want all 10 teams to go win. Like, on what grounds did he, you know, what was the science behind... No, we should have seven teams and not eight or six <laughs> or, you know, any of that. But Very precise. Yeah, seven. I mean, you know, Chase used a very classic management jargon to explain this. He said, quality over quantity. And this was, of course, when he was asked about what Formula 1 is doing to attract new teams to the sport. Yeah, come to think of it, Formula E, they're managing quality and quantity very, very well. You know, we're only a few weeks away from the start of the new Formula E season. But for now, we're going to see you a few days before the Brazilian Grand Prix. And we'll be back then with our 301st episode on the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. We have some very exciting specials in the 300 episodes we've done, like a Nico Rosberg interview or when Mika Hakkinen, you know, was kind enough to appear on our show and several other drivers. So you can find our shows on whatever app you're listening to us on. But for now, we'll see you next week. Adios. Adios. Adios.